The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with your host, Ann Holiday. Ayurveda and yoga are often poorly understood, and there are many misconceptions about them. According to Ayurveda and Yoga is a series of shows on the concepts of this ancient knowledge of life and consciousness presented in a way which is easy to understand. Now, here is Ann Holiday. This is Ann Holiday. Welcome to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. I hope you managed to listen to last week's program. It may not seem very relevant to our subject today, but I think you will realize as you go through the shows that the basic knowledge is most important to understand um, because you need to understand the concepts behind Ayurveda and Yoga. And even if you don't really fully understand it or believe in it, you need to know about it. It's like a jigsaw, really. When you have all the pieces, you see the whole picture. Last week, I discussed some fundamental principles and we talked about the evolution of matter leading us to the five elements and that each element has a sensory quality, that of hearing, touching, seeing, tasting and smelling. I also said that there is a factor of intelligence or consciousness in every cell in the body because of the merging of consciousness with prakriti. And this is obvious, really, because every cell in the body knows exactly what it has to do. Every organ knows its function. So there must be an element of intelligence. I discussed how Ayurveda compares to modern medicine, and I see Ayurveda referred to all the time as an alternative medicine. The word alternate implies that one system is an alternative to the other. This is a misnomer for Ayurveda because it is based on an entirely different principle and is complementary to our medicine, not an alternative to it. It's important to remember as well that Ayurveda addresses the whole self the body, the mind, and the spirit. And these three aspects of our being are not only connected, but interconnected. If there is disease manifesting in one place in our being, rest assured there are effects elsewhere. In modern medicine, because it looks at symptoms and systems, like the respiratory system and the alimentary system, and so on, it's not really... Uh, looking at these systems as they work uh, as they work as one, and it has become so specialized nowadays. It's the same in dentistry. When I was growing up, which admittedly was a long time ago, the dentist did everything. If a teeth, tooth needed to come out, he pulled it, or you went home and pulled it out yourself. No, not really. I'm not that old. It's a bit of an exaggeration, but I'm sure you understand what I mean. 
Recently, I had a problem with a tooth and I saw three specialists before it was decided it needed to come out. And then, of course, I had to see another specialist to pull it. Medicine is so specialized now and even more specialized within the specialty. And then there is no, even then, there is no one really looking over the whole picture. Ayurveda is a holistic system, and in the next three programs, I will talk about Ayurveda in the body, the mind, and in the spiritual self. This week, we're talking about the, spirit, the fundamental principle of Ayurveda in, the, in physical health. Now, we don't refer to each element individually in Ayurveda, but we put them into three groups, and they are Vata, the air and space element, which is the force of movement, Pitta, the fire element, which is the force of transformation, Kapha, the water and earth elements, are the binding force in the body. These forces are called the doshas. They're not, of course, physical structures, but physiological forces of energy. Obviously, there are spaces in the body, such as in the lungs, where there is air. And when we use the term spacey, or airhead, or lightheaded, we don't mean literally air or space, we mean the qualities. We don't literally mean fire in the body either, but often talk about burning sensations or a fiery personality. And hot is often used to describe a person, so it's the qualities of fire that we're referring to. The body is at least 65% water, and we know when we don't have enough, as in dehydration. And when there is excess, such as swelling of the ankles, we may say, and we may say wishy-washy, meaning the mind moves around like water, or an earthy personality, meaning they have the qualities of earth. It's important to understand that the doshas, vata, pitta and kapha, are actually in two states. And the first is described as prakriti. I mentioned prakriti as being the base substance of the universe last week in evolution. And here it has a slightly different meaning because it means our true nature. And it is what we are born with and is determined at conception by the prakriti of our parents. And it never changes. You are what you are throughout your life and it doesn't change. It's rather like an energy DNA. We each have a, a unique combination of the doshas, vata, pitta and kapha. Now when you go to an Ayurvedic professional, they will read the pulse on the right side for men and on the left side for women. And we will see why this is in future programs when we talk about energies. They are not checking your heart rate, but are determining two things. One is your true nature or your prakriti, and the other is the state of the doshas at the time of examination. And this is called vikriti, or aggravation of the doshas. You may have taken a quiz in a magazine or on the internet in the past, and these are determining prakriti, or true nature. I have a questionnaire on the physical health page of the website, ataytv.com, and this will tell you your individual true nature. It's important to watch the video as well, 
as it will help you to evaluate the results of the questionnaire. Many practitioners don't like these questionnaires, but I find this one to be quite accurate. But you do have to understand that it's only for true nature. You can't make a diagnosis or anything else with this. Ayurveda talks about the three pillars of health, and one is the doshas, which we've just talked about, and the closest English translation of this Sanskrit word is constitution, but it doesn't really describe the doshas very well, I don't think. Dosha, so therefore, dosha is a word to, to remember. I hope there is someone in the audience who can put these Sanskrit words into an English dictionary because they're so commonly used these days. And new words come into the language all the time and I don't see any reason why these shouldn't be included. Anyway, the doshas are the forces of energy of the five elements and are behind the physical and psychological functions. The literal meaning of dosha is to spoil or that which causes things to decay. So the doshas are in fact the cause of disease. The second pillar of health is the tissues and there are seven described in Ayurveda. Now Ayurveda has a completely different way of describing anatomy which we can't possibly do in these programs. So I won't go into, t- into tissues except to mention them here. The third pillar is waste products, which are sweat, urine and feces. And in a healthy constitution, each of these three pillars, the doshas, the, the waste products and the tissues, have to be in proper balance for good health. In the first program on the five elements, we learnt how the qualities of the elements affect the nature of matter. And remember, we mentioned moisture in the air causing humidity, therefore changing the properties of the air. In sand, when there's water in it, it has more of an earth property, but when it's lighter, it has more of an air property. And in the fire... We saw how air makes fire burn more and when there is water in it, it goes out. And these principles are very familiar to us that we don't really necessarily associate them with the qualities affecting the body and mind in the same way, but they do. The doshas are the cause of disease, but they also have a positive value to the body by supporting tissue and organ functions. Each dosha has a primary site or a seat, and the seat of vata is in the colon. The seat of pitta is in the small intestine, and the seat of katha is in the chest. So what do the doshas do in the body? Vata, the force of movement, is responsible for moving mobile things around the body, like air and blood and food and lymph and so on. Whenever there is movement, it's the vata that's the force. In the mind, it's the movement of thoughts. Pitta, the force of transformation, is responsible for digestion. All the way through the digestive process from food to nutrients, which the body can absorb. It's pitta which causes the action of hormones, enzymes and of metabolism. And it gives pigmentation to the skin 
When we blush, for instance, it's pitta. And it also causes hunger, thirst, and it's, it's, um, it's the force of sight. It's, when we have uh, eye strain, it's, the eyes burn, don't they? In the mind, pitta is the fire of courage and ambition. The role of kapha, the binding force, is, a, is to provide moisture, lubrication, mucus, connectivity. It's our sexual power. It's our strength, stability and sustenance. In the mind, kapha governs emotions, making us loving and compassionate. Now, the doshas determine characteristics in the body in the same way that the qualities of the five elements create characteristics in matter. And there is a blog and a video on atatv.com on the gunas. And there are 20 of them described in Ayurveda and it's there for your review, but I'm not going to go back over that. Vata dominant people tend to be tall, thin, not very strong and have poor endurance. They have a low body weight and are underdeveloped. They're much more fragile both in the mind and body and they are sensitive people. They have variable digestion and metabolism and poor resistance to disease. They are disturbed by changes in the weather and feel the cold but don't like hot hot and windy weather either. Vata characteristics create nervousness and sensitivity as well as enthusiasm and creativity. Pitta-dominant people are of average build and body frame, and their skin is soft, oily and smooth, their eyes sharp and penetrating. Pitta gives food, Pitta gives good digestion, but requires cooling foods and drink. Pitta people tend to have an average strength and capacity for work, good circulation and warm extremities. They're highly motivated, make good leaders and are often wealthy, but they do tend to be irritable and hot-tempered. Now the characteristics of kapha make people robust with a thick body frame. They are well-developed with sturdy bones, thick oily hair and strong, even teeth. They tend to move slowly, are good-looking and have a deep voice. They're strong and healthy with good immunity and vitality. They tend to have a slow digestion and metabolism and are prone to obesity with joint and heart problems. The nature of kapha-dominant people is calm, quiet and caring, with a strong attachment to people and things. So the accumulation of wealth is quite common amongst Kaffir people. Now, most people are not dominant in any one dosha, as this explanation seems to imply. Most of us have characteristics of all the doshas. And I will often hear people say that they are pitta, kapha, or vata, but we have all the doshas and can have the characteristics of all of them in us. Now, I'll talk about the aggravation of the doshas. And when the doshas become aggravated, they are the causative factor of disease. So disease is nothing more than the manifestation of aggravated doshas. 
The doshas change through the day, and vata is aggravated between 2 p.m. and 6 in the afternoon, and 2 and 6 in the morning. The doshas also aggravate with the seasons, and vata aggravates in the autumn when conditions tend to be windy, and the weather is changeable. The doshas aggravate at different periods in our lives, and vata becomes dominant in the latter years, usually around menopause for women and about the same stage for men. What this means is that the qualities of coldness, roughness, subtlety and mobility are more of a problem for us. And if we are vata-dominant people in the first place, then vata really has to be managed carefully. There are 80 diseases related to the aggravation of vata. So we'll stop here for a moment and continue with this discussion on the doshas after a short break. According to Ayurveda and Yoga Global Community, welcomes you to join the conversation at ataytv.com, where you can share your experiences of holistic health, ask questions, make comments, and write blogs. It is through ataytv.com that professional members committed to bringing authentic knowledge to the world can connect with you. Material from Ate Radio shows are also available. ataytv.com. Visit ataytv.com today. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 50 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel autism one a conversation of hope through education and conversation there is hope can grief be good for you absolutely it gets your attention helping you evaluate your choices and relationships your losses define who you are tune in each week for good grief with host cheryl jones our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with Anne Holliday. If you have questions or comments about our program, we would like to hear from you. Please contact us via email to info at atetv.com. That's info 
at ATAYTV.com. Now, back to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. Welcome back. This is Anne Holliday, your host with According to Ayurveda and Yoga, and we're talking on the doshas. I am in the Vata stage of life, so I can attest to Vata issues personally. Every day I must do something to pacify Vata, and if I don't, I can tell the difference. And so how do the qualities of air and space affect the body? It means that between 2 and 6 in the afternoon, at my age and in the autumn, Vata is going to be disturbed. There will be more dryness, lightness, more mobility and agitation in the body and mind. And because Vata is cold, I feel the cold much more now than I did when I was younger. There are many things which aggravate Vata, and for me, not least, is diet and lifestyle. I can't do anything about the changes in the day or in the seasons, and I certainly can't do anything about the candles on the birthday cake, but I can control what I eat and how I live. My true nature is pitta which means that vata hasn't been much of a problem for me. But now, dryness, lightness and mobility are more of an issue. At my age, my digestion is not as good as it used to be. So I have to make sure I don't eat foods which are difficult to digest and that my body is fully and that my food is fully digested after one meal before I eat again. It is important for me to eat when my digestion is at its height, which is in the pitta time, and to avoid foods which will aggravate vata foods which have air and space qualities. Due to dryness and lightness, I may have constipation, abdominal distension and colic. Vata governs all physiological processes, organ functions, energy, breath, the nervous system and sensory organs. Staying up late at night and being around loud noises aggravate vata. Flying is very disturbing as the qualities of vata are aggravated and I become ungrounded because of the disconnect to the earth. I spend a lot of time travelling and flying and I have learned to give myself plenty of time to adjust to changes and to recover from the flying itself. Multitasking is also very aggravating for vata because it creates too much movement in the mind. If these disturbances go on for a long time, then symptoms of aggravated vata will start to show up in the body and mind, and I may become emaciated and weak. My skin will be dry and have blackish tones to it, and uh, and I may develop pain, stiffness and numbness, and develop abnormal movements like twitches. The function of my sensory organs will be diminished. Shivering, tremors, disorientation, incoherent speech, vertigo, dizziness, confusion, insomnia and depression are all signs of aggravated vata. So you see, you can recognize the qualities of dryness, lightness and mobility in your symptoms when you are recognizing 
what you're recognizing is vata aggravation. Once you understand how to treat these symptoms with opposite qualities, then you can prevent disease from developing into something deeply rooted. A little bit of forgetfulness is one thing, but senile dementia is quite another. The bitter times of day are between 10 a.m. and 2 and between 10 p.m. and 2 at night. The bitter period of life is in the middle years, starting in the teens and ending around 45 to 50 when vata starts to aggravate. There's not a fixed year or there's not a fixed period when aggravation change from one dosha to another. Everyone is a little different. But with women, the end of Pitta period is marked by menopause as Pitta governs the production of hormones. There is an increase in body heat with hot flashes as hormone levels change and vata increases. In puberty also, when the body is changing from kapha dominance to Pitta, hormones are activated in the body by Pitta. Pimples and redness of the skin are all indications of Pitta aggravation. I just want to add here that it doesn't happen overnight, of course. It can happen over several years or, you know, in some people it doesn't happen. It, it can happen quite quickly. But men experience these effects also, even though periods and menopause don't mark the changes more significantly in women. And nevertheless, the same doshic aggravations are taking place at the same times of life. In both of these periods, the doshas are affecting the mind, and we can all remember the moodiness of our youth. And for me, in the change of life, I remember all the ups and downs of the mind and the effects on the body. Pitta governs all aspects of heat and all processes which involve combustion, giving warmth and colour. When there is too much pitta in the mind, it makes us angry and violent. When pitta is disturbed, there are burning sensations, increased body temperature as in fever, bleeding, skin diseases, insomnia and jaundice. Any kind of redness or inflammation indicates pitta aggravation, Red or yellowed, yellowish discolorations in the stool, urine, the eyes or skin are all caused by pitta. Hunger, thirst, excessive sweating, anger, incoherent speech, vomiting of bile or nausea all mark the presence of pitta. Pitta people have a strong digestion so, that, so they must eat regularly and not allow themselves to get too hungry. They have an avid thirst and like cold drinks and cold conditions. Pitta aggravation with, uh, pitta aggravates with the exposure to the sun, drinking alcohol and eating hot spicy foods. As with fire burning out of control, pitta will destroy and burn up the body, causing fatigue. Now, kapha times are between 6 and 10 in the morning and 6 and 10 in the evening. So it's a good thing to get up before kapha time in the morning, especially if you have a kapha constitution, 
because if you sleep when the sun is up, it will create heaviness and lethargy, which can lead to a lack of interest in life and depression. The same applies at night between 6 and 10 when kapha starts to aggravate again. We become slower, more sluggish and sleepy. So it's important to go to bed during this time because at 10 p.m. pitta starts to aggravate and you wake up again. We call that second wind, don't we? And you'll notice that birds and animals all tuck in as soon as the sun goes down. Kapha dominates in winter, especially where there is, it's wet and cold. And at this time, there is a lot of water and earth qualities, a lot of humidity and heaviness. People become couch potatoes and stay inside. It gets dark early and before long depression sets in and we gain weight. We don't get enough exercise and we eat heavier foods. Children and teens is the kaffir period of life. Childhood and teens is the kaffir period of life. When the body is developing and growing, which is why babies and young people need a lot of rest and sleep. Kaffir energy is vital for the development of tissues and building the body. But by the same token, if children are allowed to eat too much heavy food and don't get exercise, they soon become heavy and lethargic, which is why it's so important for children to be outside, running and playing during daylight, and to be in bed when the sun goes down without a lot of stimulation. Kaffir serves as a restraining and conserving force on the other two doshas. Without it, they disintegrate energy. It is responsible for the lubrication of mucous membranes and serves as a cushion in the joints. During the kapha time of day and season, the digestive fire is depressed, so it is best not to eat heavy foods early in the morning or in the evening. And in the winter time, we tend to eat heavy foods to pacify kapha and often gain weight. Kapha is cold, so hot, Warm foods are much better, and ice and ice cream should be avoided, especially in winter. Kapha aggravation results in too much weight, which inhibits normal function, causing inactivity, heaviness and inertia, and can result in congestion and stagnation. There will often be excess sleep, swelling of the tissues, retention of water, and a feeling of heaviness. Because kapha is cold and wet, when it's aggravated, the skin is often pale, cold and clammy. Phlegm is kapha, which is why young children have a lot of coughs and colds. Thereby, children shouldn't have very cold food and drinks, especially during kapha times. And when there is phlegm, milky, oily foods should be avoided. There are 20 diseases related to kapha, including anorexia, laziness, excess mucus, hardening of the arteries, obesity and impaired digestion. Kapha gives endurance, sustenance and strength and is vitally important to the body and mind. But the forces of water and earth must not get out of control, otherwise they will wear the body and deplete its strength, wear out the body and deplete its strength.
Ayurveda emphasizes two factors as being fundamental to good health. One is digestion, not just the digestion of food, but the digestion of thoughts and experiences. The other is sleep, and both digestion and sleep will come up time and time again throughout these programs. Digestion starts in the mouth, then goes to the stomach, and this is the kapha stage which is dominated by the sweet taste and the alkaline secretions of the stomach. Transformation of earth and water elements render food into liquid, ready for the digestive fire. And this is the primary stage of digestion. And the related health issues are nausea, vomiting, phlegm and a lack of appetite. The pitta stage of digestion is in the stomach and small intestine and is dominated by the sour taste and the acid secretions of the pancreas and liver. And in the transformation of food, heat, is en- heat energy is released, which is why we often feel warm after eating. The issues at this stage are hyperacidity, heartburn and ulcers caused by food which is hot, spicy, Uh, and drinking alcohol with meals. The vata stage is dominated by the pungent taste and is in the colon where air and ether elements are absorbed. Water is absorbed in the colon and indigestible earth elements are eliminated. Digestive problems at this stage are gas, distension and constipation. When food has been digested in the stomach, a substance called chyle is produced, and this goes to the duodenum, or the small intestine, where digestion continues and, and nutrients are absorbed. The element fire, or pitta, is responsible for the digestion of food and metabolism. Fire is the force of transformation, and in digestion it is the energy which takes food and water and turns it into chyle. The fire element is called Agni, or the digestive fire. And Agni is vital to life. Everything living has fire. Disease is fire, a negative fire, of course, which fights against the fire of of health. Inadequate or too much Agni is the cause of disease. There are 13 different types of Agni defined in Ayurveda. The digestive fire of food imparts its energy to the whole body. This is the main agni, and the waste product is, in, is from this transformation is stool. Each of the five elements has an agni specific to it, and these reside in the liver. These agnis are necessary for building the related tissues in the body, and if their function is impaired, tissues will not be formed properly. There are seven tissues described and each has its own agni which is responsible for the proper formation of that particular tissue. The state of agni is crucial to absorb to obtaining optimal health. The agni can be in three states. If it's high, it's pitta. If it's low, it's kapha. And if it's variable, it's going to be vata. So a balanced Um, Agni is is the optimum state. 
heat is carried to other parts of the body by vata, and if there's too much, it can cause skin diseases like psoriasis or inflammation and bleeding, and in digestion there'll be hyperacidity. When the fire is burning too low, food is not digested properly and creates a toxic material called ama. Ama is carried around the body by vata, and gets trapped in the joints and causes arthritis, cholesterol and plaques. We will continue with this discussion on AMA in the next segment after a short break. Step-by-step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now, your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The According to Ayurveda and Yoga Global Community welcomes you to join the conversation at atetv.com where you can share your experiences of holistic health, ask questions, make comments, and write blogs. It is through ATTV.com that professional members committed to bringing authentic knowledge to the world can connect with you. Material from ATE radio shows are also available. ATTV.com. Visit ATAYTV.com today. How many times have you heard this? I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. You are what you eat. I've tried every diet. Diets don't work. It's time to stop this kind of madness and start thinking and feeling empowered to change your health. Tune in to The Raw Truth with Chef Sharon Fraser. Join us weekly for thought-provoking conversations with world-renowned experts in the food, medical, holistic, sports medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic health sciences. The Raw Truth airs live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to According to Ayurveda and Yoga with Anne Holliday. If you have questions or comments about our program, we would like to hear from you. Please contact us via email to info at ataytv.com. That's info at ataytv.com. Now, back to According to Ayurveda and Yoga. Welcome to the last segment on physical health. This is your host, Anne Holiday. So to continue with our discussion on AMA, which is a toxic, toxic material created in the transformation of food. If you are in a place where you can do this, I want you to go to a mirror and poke your tongue out. You may see a whitish coating, particularly at the back of the tongue. Most people will have this, not necessarily everybody, and sometimes it can be yellowish or blackish. And this is 
armour. There isn't an equivalent English word for this, I'm afraid, but a rough translation is poison, poison within. Anyway, any type of uh, energy or mechanism which burns fuel leaves a residue, and we all understand that if residues are not cleaned out, engines won't run properly. If left to build up, it will eventually cause the engine to break down. Alma is a residue in the transformation or burning of food. My teacher says that Alma is the mama of Ayurveda and an important concept to understand in the management of health. Ayurveda is the only system which recognizes Alma and addresses it directly. Treatment is geared towards the elimination of Alma first and foremost, and unless cleared from the system, there is no hope to cure disease. Modern colonics only cleanse the colon and don't address toxins deeply rooted in the tissues and at a cellular level. So it's not the same as an Ayurvedic cleanse. Cleansing the colon is weakening to the system. Waste products have a function and to simply clean them out can only create more problems than it solves. Ayurveda uses a systematic method of preparing the body, drawing out toxins from, t- from the tissues before eliminating them. Then there is a period of recovery or rejuvenation. So it's a long process if it's to be done properly. So what is AMA exactly? It's defined, of course, as a toxic material created in the digestive tract from undigested food. The body can't absorb it and it isn't eliminated either, so a thick, slimy substance is produced. And this is carried by vata around the body, gets absorbed and trapped in weak areas. The longer it stays in the system, the harder and stickier it becomes and gets deeply rooted in the tissues. It will adhere to the inside of channels and block them, preventing an efficient flow of blood, lymph, urine, etc. It gets into the joints and it causes inflammation and arthritis. It sticks to the walls of arteries as cholesterol, It develops into tumours, stones in the kidneys and gallbladder and plaques on the brain, interrupting nerve impulses. Amma is produced from food and poor eating habits. Food in the stomach can be compared to a pot of soup. If you keep adding food to the soup, there'll be a mixture of cooked and uncooked food in it. Similarly, if you eat continuously, there will be food in the stomach, which is at different stages of digestion. Food should be fully digested before additional food is added, so snacking is very bad for the digestion. Nowadays, we don't really allow ourselves to experience hunger, but it is an important function of the body because it's the signal to tell us that it's ready to receive more food. When we eat a meal, we should not eat again until the body tells us it's time, and we should only eat enough to satisfy hunger. Overeating causes armor. Obviously, if you overload any system, 
it will clog it up and cause excessive residue. If the digestive fire is weak for any reason, food will not be digested properly. Water and cold temperatures reduce the digestive fire, so drinking water, especially cold water, will put the digestive fire out and amor will be created. For instance, if you put a piece of ice on your skin, you'll notice that the pores contract. And it's the same in the stomach with ice water. The body won't absorb it until it's at body temperature. And it takes energy to heat the water, takes energy away from the body to heat it. Drinking water with a meal isn't a good practice either uh, because it dilutes the digestive fire. So it's best to drink up to half an hour before a meal and half an hour after for good digestion. In hot climates, it's always better to drink warm or hot drinks to quench the thirst. And you don't need, and you'll find that you don't need to drink as much water doing that, having hot water. The quality of the food is very important. Processed foods create armor because they contain additives, preservatives, emulsifiers, artificial flavorings, colorings, chemicals of all kinds, and uh, and the digestive systems, not just of us, but of animals as well, are not, de- are not designed to digest these artificial substances. We know about carcinogens causing cancer, but any foreign substance will cause disease of some sort because it creates armor. Now, the preparation of food is also a factor. Microwaving changes the molecular structure of food. Therefore, it is unnatural. And if it's cooked in a plastic container, there will be poison added to the food. Aluminium, aluminium cookware and nonstick pans are also toxic. Meat is very indigestible because the human digestive tract is not designed to digest meat. And if on top of that, the farm animals are fed unnaturally, the meat will be toxic and will produce ammo. Nowadays, there is much more awareness of the quality of food, so we load up on vitamins. And even though there may be some benefit to this, this will also create ammo, as does medications. Anything unnatural which the body can't fully metabolize will cause a problem. The Rishis lived in a time when food and water was absolutely pure, and yet they recognized the toxins produced by food. Symptoms of Amma are heaviness, fatigue, laziness, weakness, excessive salivation, indigestion, anorexia, blockage of channels, body odor, slimy secretions, and constipation. So now we'll talk a little bit about sleep. Last week I said that the energies of the universe affect the earth and so do these energies affect us. We're on the same rhythms as the earth as is demonstrated by the doshas. Anyone listening who has had a baby will understand what I mean by this. It doesn't take a newborn very long at all to get into the rhythm of waking up when the sun comes up 
and going down when the sun with the sun and before electricity that was the way we all were the most common complaint that i have that my clients have is insomnia feeling lethargic and lacking in energy and often i will find out that they are up most of the night and sleeping during the day Firstly, remember that we get most of our energy from the sun. So it's obvious that we must be exposed to daylight as much as possible. Earlier in the program I said that kapha times being between 6 and 10 in the morning and 6 and 10 in the evening and the most important and the most important time to go to bed is before pitta which is early in the which is very early in the modern world. And what is even more important is to be up before kapha time, which is six o'clock in the morning. There is an old saying which says, an hour before midnight is worth two afterwards. And what this means is that sleep has more value before midnight than after. So if you stay up late and sleep late, you won't get the same benefit even though you have slept the same number of hours. A tip for anyone listening who has trouble sleeping. Try setting the alarm for six in the morning. Never mind how late it is that you go to sleep. Get up and don't nap during the day. Go to bed at the same time every night and aim to be in bed by 10 o'clock. Don't eat a heavy meal in the evening. Eat the main meal at midday because that is when the digestive tract is at its peak. Withdraw from stimulating activity for at least an hour before bed and make this practice a routine. It works. It may take a while. Soon the body gets into the rhythm of the, of the earth and you will sleep the number of hours which is best for you. It's not the number of hours that are important. It's the value of the sleep that matters. And if you feel sleepy during the day, you are not getting proper rest. I can't emphasize enough the importance of sleep to everyone, especially babies, young children and teens. Older people seem to need a lot more sleep, but more often not have difficulty in sleeping. But remember what I said about taking a nap. It's better to go out for a walk than take a nap during the day. There will be a lot of discussion about sleep in these programs because it affects everything and it is a factor in all aspects of life. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the town that I'm staying in recording these programs. I'm actually in a stable in South Wales. They have taken the horse out, fortunately. No, actually, it's a converted stable and it's really quite lovely. It was built at least 200 years ago in the days when horses were the only means of transportation. I recorded the first program here and it was quite a challenge. So if I sounded stressed, which I think I did, it's because I was. I made several recordings and never realized how much noise there was from the rain which sounded like a thunderstorm on the recording. 
then I would forget to turn the computer off or the phone off and then an aeroplane would go over. It was a circus. And then I recorded first thing in the morning because it wasn't raining and that is why my voice was so croaky. It's such a nice spot here though. But it's in the middle of winter and the weather is wild. I went to the beach today and the wind was so strong I could hardly stand up. I haven't experienced anything like it since I lived in England when gale force winds were a part of everyday life. I'm in a little village called Cowbridge, a market town in South Glamorganshire, not far from Cardiff. The Romans were here a couple of thousand years ago, so there are many remains, old castles and museums. Nearby is a town called Llantwit, Major, Llantwit Major. I love that name, and I wonder if it's where the word twit comes from. The first university in Britain is there, and it was built around 600 AD, and it's still used, not as a school, of course. They've converted it, but apparently there was 2,000 students attending there in its heyday, and several well-known characters in history were educated there. Cowbridge itself used to be the capital of South Glamorganshire when agriculture and mining was the main economy. But that all changed during the Industrial Revolution and Cardiff became the capital because of the port. It's very quaint, very little traffic, but it has great shops and cafes and I really like it and it feels like home. I was born not far from here and my mother always talked about Wales. She longed for the old country and village life. And I have to say, there's something to be said for it. We have covered a lot of material today talking about the energies of the five elements, Vata, Pitta and Kapha, and how they manifest in the physical body. I mentioned how the energies in the environment which aggravate the doshas. I've talked about the two different states of the doshas and want to remind you to go to the website ataytv.com to take the questionnaire on the physical health page to determine your own true nature. This course is going to be like a journey. You have to know where you are before you can reach your destination. I didn't receive any questions from last week's program, and I hope it doesn't mean that no one was listening. But there were a lot of visitors to Ayurveda and Yoga Global Community Facebook page. So our global community is already underway. If you'd like to add anything to today's conversation, please email info at ataytv.com. Info at ataytv.com. Next week, we will discuss Ayurveda and mental health with my guest, Dr. Satyanarayana Das. So one last thing for your health, which is to laugh. (laughs) 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 Goodbye for now. Thank you for tuning in to According to Ayurveda and Yoga 
Be sure to join Ann Holiday again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about Ann, our radio program, and supplemental information about what you've heard today, please visit the website ataytv.com. Until our next program, wishing you health and happiness. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.